Hello, I'm Nick Bright, host of Beyond the Ordinary. And I'm Tina Dixon, former professional snowboarder and sports broadcaster. Now on this episode of Beyond the Ordinary, Tina dives into the high stakes world of freestyle skiing with one of the greats. Bobby Brown and one of its most exciting new prospects, Eileen Gu. It was really fun. We sat down together and I was lucky enough to witness firsthand the mutual respect between these two athletes and nothing was off limits as we explored what makes them beyond the ordinary. Whether it's the impact of Eileen's family or Bobby's background that set him up for success, these athletes know what it takes to win a championship gold and reach the pinnacle of this extraordinary sport. Just talking about it sounds difficult enough. I could not imagine having to actually do it and what's going through your mind when you are doing it. But style, I heard that word there, is something these two seem to have a lot of, right? Yeah, I I mean, Bobby Brown really came onto the scene and set a new standard for style. Uh, The master and now the rookie, Eileen Gu, who is really not a rookie anymore. But these guys definitely have a special bond, uh, which goes beyond what they can do in their jump line. Well, I can't wait to learn more. Uh, And remember, if you want more stories from Beyond the Ordinary, make sure you follow us on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Well, so now I'm joined down the line by freestyle skiing sensation Eileen Gu. Eileen, uh, first of all, welcome to Beyond the Ordinary. And where are you joining us from today? Thank you so much. Super nice to meet you, Tina. Um, I am currently at home in San Francisco, and I just got back from our three-week training camp in Mammoth. And now it's the end of the season, and I get my time to relax, rest, um, and recover. And does that, the, the whole the whole word relax, recovery, and rest, I think, does not go along with you, Eileen. <laughs> Yeah, I guess not in the traditional sense. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And if that wasn't enough, I'm also joined by a pioneer of the sport, uh, four-time X Games gold medal winner, Bobby Brown. Uh, Bobby, good morning. How are you this morning? Yeah, doing great. Just hanging in uh, Telluride, Colorado and starting to enjoy summer. Well, let's let's talk about 2021 um, and kind of the beginning of this year. It's been a very, very different season, obviously, uh, with the pandemic. But coming into this season, Eileen, I'd say that you had, I mean, I'm just going to say the best year you've ever had when it comes to competition. Um, What were the biggest surprises? What were your expectations coming into this year? This year, you'd be absolutely right to say it's been the best season of my life. Um, And I definitely expected almost none of it in the sense that I knew that it was going to be my first X Games, my first World Championships. And being the season before 2022 next year, I kind of just wanted to get my competition experience up. I've always been one of the younger kids, and this is also my first year not being a full-time student. So being able to actually go to all the events and experience all the events was really my goal. Um, One thing also was that this is my first season competing in big air at the world cup or a higher level so that expectation was extremely low so i kind of just went to x games i wanted to do my best i'm obviously a very competitive person so every contest that i enter i enter with the goal to win but never the expectation so i wanted to do my best and i knew that i was capable of it but i one thing i think that surprised me the most was the 
consistency of competitions going throughout the season. Um, I think maybe in my wildest dreams, I could have imagined one gold medal at World Championships or one gold medal at X Games. But to come away with two from each and a bronze was just absolutely mind-blowing. And I was really, really proud of that. And it sets me up perfectly, I think, for next year. Uh, yeah, you, you've definitely already established yourself as a rookie. And then someone who's established themselves through years of competition, uh, Bobby Brown. And Bobby, I'd say you're kind of at a point, you're at different parts of your career. Uh, you know, you've done the competitions, Bobby. Um, I still remember when uh, interviewing you when you won your first do tour in Breckenridge. And, you know, since then, you've gone to the Olympics and you've just made such an impact in the free skiing world competitions or not. Um, but where would you say you are in your career right now? Yeah, I mean, first off, I just think it's hilarious that Eileen is saying that she's coming into the year, just kind of feeling it out. And I mean, anyone on the outside would say that she was the favorite to come into the year and dominate. So that was amazing watching that all year. You know, I, I've known Eileen since she was like this tall, tiny, um, seeing her progress and progression has just been out of control so yeah to say that that was like just kind of a cruisy little season you know is an understatement that was like one of the most dominant seasons in the history of free skiing competition yeah it's definitely been a kind of a uh, a wild ride uh definitely you know went into the contest um era of my career and really loved that but then this whole new found uh love for skiing you know going deeper in the mountains and just trying to ride different types of terrain and just really explore that side of skiing has kind of been my passion lately. So, you know, the whole goal is to kind of take my history of park skiing, contest skiing, and kind of wrap it into different types of terrain and just trying to apply it to different parts of the mountain and keep it progressing that way. Yeah. And you were talking about knowing Eileen for, you know, since she was how high standing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, were you impressed from the very beginning? Yeah, it was it was insane. I think I don't know, Eileen. Were you like ten, maybe, when you had the purple? You're rocking the purple helmet. Yeah, what age was that? Eleven. Yeah, 10, eleven. 11. <laughs> yeah, so right around there. But I just remember like seeing Eileen. I think at Copper, and then I saw you in Tahoe, and then down in New Zealand. But just the my first impression was like the both ways spinning, and for like women's skiing, I feel like that kind of came into it a lot later, where you're spinning left, spinning right, or natural, unnatural, and. Eileen was like this little girl just being able to be ambidextrous and just go left, right, left 270, right 270. And then her rail prowess was like crazy. And so right when I saw her, like as a, like when, when she was super young, I was like, oh my God, she's doing better rail tricks than I am. Um, so that was definitely <laughs> like, I was like, oh man, I got to step it up a little bit. But that being said, she was doing things that, you know, just like the, the natural ability, I think when you're young, you don't really have like this you know, you're not worried about style or putting all those pieces together. You're just worried about doing the trick and just how naturally it seemed to come was like, I mean, mind blowing. And you're seeing the progression right now being the, you know, on top of the world. So, um, I don't know. I'm, it's been such a cool thing to see just from like super young to now just being like the favorite going into the Olympics. Thank you so much, Bobby. I don't even know. Oh my God. My head's going to explode after this. <laughs> Um, uh, this question, I guess, is for both of you. Um, when you talk about progression, there's obviously a lot of risk. And the the higher level the tricks get, um, there's more risk involved with that. So, Eileen, question to you. How have you managed 
risk with progression, especially with all the new tricks that <laughs> you've been doing and learning? I think what Bobby was mentioning earlier about in my generation having so many more resources, we have the privilege of having access to places like Woodward with foam pits or airbags for half pipe or soap style. And there are now these like sloped bags. So it's like, instead of landing on a flat bag, it mimics the landing of a jump. So you don't get that whiplash. You don't land and flip a hundred times anymore. And so just having that technology, I think has been really, really instrumental in the development of free skating now, especially, you know, honestly on both sides, like the men's and the women's side in big air is absolutely ridiculous. Like I, it's, it's crazy to see the progression. I think that having access to those resources is a big part of it. Um, I learned to rollerblade and I can't say that I'm very good at it, but I do, I am good enough that I can drop in on the, on the ramps at Woodward and then land in the foam pit. So the scariest part is always the in-run, making sure I don't fall on the in-run. And then once I'm in the air, you can, you know, learn your tricks and then land in a giant fluffy pit. Honestly, when you try to, I try to describe it in a way that sounds serious, but it just like, it can't be like, I get to do flips for a living and it's just like so fun um, and, and really exciting all the time. So being able to have that and just have fun in your training and then that really just translates into competition and everything else. With this progression, you know, throughout the years, obviously, you know, you're pushing yourselves in injuries part of it. We've all had our injuries. And Eileen, you're you're coming off an injury. I know the last part of or the majority of this year you uh, skied without poles. How's everything coming along and how did you, I guess, deal with it mentally as well? Yeah, so I tore my UCL thumb ligament and fractured my metacarpal. So right here, um, I think it was two weeks after X Games. And the way that contests were structured this year were they were really close together. So we had X Games and then I think it was like a two or three week break and then world championships immediately after. So the first thought in my head was, am I going to be ready for world championships? Is this going to affect me at all? Um, how, how am I going to overcome this? And so one of the first things that I did was figure out exactly how hurt it was in the sense that can I ski with poles? And the answer was no, because I could not hold anything. So then I was like, okay, can I ski maybe without poles, which is something that I almost never do. So it was definitely took a lot of getting used to physically and mentally. I think the hardest part for me was the rails because subconsciously, I think I use them a lot for balance or just in my head, I think I use them a lot for balance. And so just kind of taking that away made me feel really empty hand wise. And so I was falling off all these rails really early and I just felt like I was definitely off my game. And I think mentally that impacted me as well in the period leading up to world championships. And then for some reason it clicked just a few days beforehand and I felt like I was back to normal again and I got used to it maybe. And so eventually at world championships, I didn't ski with poles and I have not been skiing with poles since then. Um, I was planning to get surgery on it and I was told throughout the whole season that I would need surgery. So I did it in mid slash late February. And so I was told in April, which is already like two months after more than six weeks that I would definitely need surgery. And so in my head, I was preparing for that. I've never had surgery before, knock on wood. And it, I was definitely very terrified. And the day before I was scheduled to have my surgery, I went in for the checkup 
and they ran the same tests that they had run in April. They ran, you know, they moved it around. They poked different places. They're like, does this hurt? Can you do this? And they were like, actually, we didn't think it was possible for it to heal this late. You know, normally within the first six weeks, it's kind of in the condition that it's going to be for the rest of the time. But for some reason, it healed really late and you actually don't need surgery anymore. So I didn't end up getting surgery. I don't need surgery anymore. And I'm kind of just getting used to it again. So that's been really exciting news that I've heard actually like last week, super recently. And yeah, so feeling good going into the next season. Yeah, congratulations. I mean, I want to say congratulations because that's, I mean, that's fantastic news. <laughs> uh, and Bobby, to you, I mean, you have done plenty of firsts out there. Um, I, I feel like they just need to name a big air jump after you. Like, really, they do. Because every time you show up to a big air contest or a slope style event, Bobby Brown is going to go the biggest. Um, so how did you manage the risk with progression? Uh, yeah, it was a little, a little different for us. Um, it was more just, you know, group of friends. There's a nice looking jump. We all talked to each other at the top, like, I think this will come around and then you just kind of go for it. Um, but, you know, it's kind of still that progression ladder where it's like, hey, I did a 720. Let's do a double cork 10. Let's do a triple cork 14. But it was just, you know, th we didn't have those resources, but um, it was, yeah. And like I said earlier, it was a little more rogue. So like when I first did the triple cork 1440, it was, they built this jump at Squaw with Red Bull and. Simon Dumont was there and he, and I did a couple of dub 10 mutes and he's like, and I just come to the bottom, like, you think I could do another one? You think I could do another one? He's like, yeah, just go for it. And so that kind of was the way that kind of happened and somehow came to my feet. But, um, at the same time, you know, like when those, when you have heightened risk, I feel like you unlock something within your mind and then you can kind of, uh, you know, kind of conquer that when you know you have to land it maybe. Um, and so yeah, I don't know. I, I just I think it's all just a confidence based thing when you're feeling good and, you know, things are right, things start to click. But um, nowadays, looking at the tricks that the people that the kit Eileen, I mean, when I went to Aust I was in Austria in October and Eileen was hit out hitting banger jump. Is that what it's called in Austria? Yeah. Banger yeah. Break. And so, yeah. And so like that was such a cool resource that I saw where she was going and learning getting to put like 20 right side, was it a right, a left 12 or a right 12? Right 12. Right. Yeah. Going to put like 20 right 12s down and then go to the glacier at Stubai and get to put them down on snow like that. That's where I see the progression, just being able to go crazy because it's like, Hey, there's an off day for weather, you know, instead of sitting in your room all day and just kind of mulling around, like, let's go to banger park and go like lace 20 right 12s. And then next day it's sunny, bring it to the hill. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's where it's just going to go crazy. And just the consistency and the style, like now I watch X Games and instead back when I was kind of coming up, it was like, okay, I think at least eight people are going to fall. So as long as you <laughs> lace your run, you're going to be good. Now it's like everyone's landing a run no matter what. So you better come with like the best run instead of like having a safety run. Yeah. And then, you know, for skiing to, to be on the platform, we have Beijing coming up in 2022. Uh, Eileen, to you, what are you most looking forward to? I mean, it, it's still, you know, a little less than a year out. Can you just kind of give us your outlook over the next few months? It's terrifying. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's it's hard to explain because people are always like, aren't you super excited? And I am. 
I 100% am. It's the experience of a lifetime being able to be on the world stage with so many other incredible athletes, you know, rubbing shoulders with so many people who I've admired for so many years um, and being able to really spread the sport. That's the stage that all the smaller sports crave because it's finally the opportunity to become culturally relevant and mainstream. And they hope that through that they can introduce the sport to more people. And so I think in that way, it is extremely exciting like I cannot wait for that experience and just even imagining like opening ceremonies or just like being in in that mix of people is a huge honor on the other hand there's the actual performance aspect which I think everybody is a little bit terrified of because I'm not sure if you can ever be fully prepared for a contest like that And I don't really think that there is a way to be. And I almost am not sure that you should be because that's part of the fun, um, the overcoming the pressure and and dealing with it. So there are a ton of emotions swirling around for me leading up to it. I think one of the things that I've been focusing on, especially recently, is staying really present in the sense that, yes, I know that it is coming up next season. I am qualified for it as long as, you know, I stay healthy. The event will be coming up for me in my future. But also there's the sense that I'm 17 years old right now. Like every day of my life, I'm learning something new about the world. Like I'm figuring out what adolescence is and I am going to prom and like figuring out who is like dating who or like what the physics test is going to be about. And like all of these little things, I think that make up your childhood and are such quintessential parts of your youth. I can't skip out on if I'm every day thinking about like Olympics, Olympics, Olympics. I don't want to kind of let that consume all of my time now. So while I am extremely excited for it and also terrified out of my mind of it, I also want to be able to enjoy the little things now and to be able to be here now and stay present and and enjoy everything to enjoy the journey. So that puts less pressure on on the result. You've had some wonderful uh, female examples in your life. Can you talk about that, your mother, and just the other influences that they have had on you and also your decisions and your skiing and and just your life in general? A hundred percent. My grandma and my mom are definitely the the two most influential people in my life, and they have definitely made me who I am. My grandma is the most competitive person I know, which is saying a lot because I'm pretty competitive, but she is like diehard competitive. She will beat anyone at anything at any time of the day. And she just really has that spirit. I remember when I was in, I think I think I was a sophomore in high school um, and I was running cross country pretty competitively. And I was at our, I don't know, it was a section meet. It was a pretty important meet. And I was running in second place. And I turn a corner and all of a sudden I hear this little squad of parents yelling, Eileen, number one, Eileen, number one. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. I'm in second place right now. Like, what is going on? And then I look and in the center is standing my five foot one Chinese grandmother who doesn't speak any English, but somehow motivated this entire group of parents to start chanting for me. And I think she just really wanted me to win. And then the parents were too scared to not chant with her. And so then it became this group and I felt so motivated and um, I ended up winning the race. But that kind of exemplifies her spirit. Like if you're in second place, that's just temporary. Like you're going to be in first place eventually. And so for her to have always had that kind of confidence in me, I think 
always meant a lot. And my mom, I think, is almost the opposite in the sense that she's the very rational one. She's practical. She always over prepares. And so in that sense, being able to have that balance, the desire to win, but also the work ethic and the tools learned from my mom to do so um, is definitely probably one of the greatest gifts that I've been given in my environment. And they're just both super, super confident, empowered women. And being able to have them around me all the time is really inspiring. My mom travels with me to all of my contests. And um, it's kind of funny because I will always be like the only person there with their parents. But that's okay. I think it's cool. She um, makes me really nutritious and delicious food. So I have no complaints there. She makes sure I get my 10 hours a night of sleep. So there's no complaints there and she never watches me compete because she gets too nervous. So no added pressure. It's uh, yeah, she she you know how they have like the big broadcast screen at the bottom of the courses and you can obviously watch it live. She won't watch either. She'll like pace around at the bottom of the course and it's become so well known that um, either my agent or some of my friends or like people who aren't competing or their runs are, you know, coming up or they've already competed, whatever. They'll have to go and, and like condole or like kind of help her because she's like pacing around, standing up, sitting down, like has no idea what's going on. And they'll have to reassure her and be like, hey, it's okay. Eileen's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. Um, she's like, okay, just let me know when she's done. <laughs> and, um, and then she'll, you know, watch the replay. <laughs> That's so I, it's so funny to hear that because I know she's so close with you and you work so close together um, <laughs> to hear that she gets that nervous. And then I watch you compete and I'm like, does Eileen get nervous? So do you or does she take all that nervous energy for you? I get nervous, but I think it's in a different sense. She is scared because of my safety and also because she's not in control and it's kind of like the unknown. It's like flipping a coin you know, that kind of nerves. Whereas for me, I feel nervous because I'm about to perform, but I also know that I'm in control of what is about to happen. So in a way that makes me less nervous than she is. Um, for me, it's more about dealing with pressure. And I actually wanted to ask Bobby about this because he has just had such an illustrious career and also just to be able to stay relevant for so long is really a testament to being able to manage that pressure and being able to kind of keep your, the, your own voice the strongest amongst you know, the voices of everybody outside of you. So yeah, I think that's been something that I've been working on definitely. And I think that any athlete really has to think about, but eventually, you know, I practice as hard as I can and I practice every day, like it's a competition and I compete like it's practice. So that's kind of my mantra going into it. And it helps me relieve my nerves. Yeah. And, and Bobby, what do you say to, uh, to that, I guess, about handling pressure and expectations from others? Yeah. I mean, first off, like Eileen's mom is the coolest <laughs> ever. I, I, I'd see her everywhere we'd go and like she'd come up, be like, Eileen's working on the right dub 10 today. She landed the left dub 12 and like that excitement. Like, I love that. You know, like that's what keeps this all afloat. And like, that's why Eileen is uh, not the whole reason, but like that type of excitement. And like, it's not like hard. It, I don't know. It just like has a really good feel to it when she's so excited about it. So I love your mom, um, but uh, she's just like such a positive light of energy whenever I see her. Um, but as far as pressure, I mean, yeah, it's it's kind of insane. I mean, I'm sure you were on it this year when you're kind of in that flow, you don't really feel it. You're just like, I'm dialed. I know what I'm doing. 
Um, and it just starts to come like naturally. I mean, everyone, you know, a lot of athletes talk about it when you kind of hit that flow state and you kind of are just, you know, you have this underlying confidence. So like when you're in that, that feels amazing. And I've definitely had spurts of that. And then when I drop out of that, that's where like the real work comes to be like, okay, how am I going to build myself up to channel that again? Or like how, you know, because you, you don't create that it happens naturally. So in order to like create that, I feel like that's the challenging part sometimes is to, is to somehow, yeah, to find that within yourself and not make it forced, but to let it come to you naturally. So I think that's kind of, you know, the most hard work that comes with, um, kind of instilling confidence in contests and stuff. But, uh, when, when you have it, it's pretty undescribable. Um, it's a great feeling. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think it ebbs and flows. So just like timing kind of becomes everything obviously in life as well, but skiing is no different to that. And just having to ride that, that wave of inspiration and take it as far as it, as it leads is, is kind of the name of the game to me. Eileen going into China and the Beijing Olympics, you're a favorite. <laughs> what does that mean to you? Um, I think it's a huge honor to to have people who actually know and care about what I'm doing. And that's that's the whole goal, right? And so being able to have that platform is an honor and a privilege. And I think I want to do my best to represent that to the best of my ability and to be able to, to do good with it. And in the sense of of pressure, I think that comes down to learning how to manage it and and staying true and focused to the things that matter to me. So landing my tricks in the run and and focusing on style and execution instead of how many people are are watching TV or watching me at the bottom or or how many people are talking about me in the world right now. I think staying true to the reason why I ski and and staying excited, like Bobby said, and keeping that love is is key to all of it. Is there anything, Eileen, that you want to ask Bobby? I know you guys have kind of, you know, interacted already with the helmet and just the the stories of when you were younger. But is there anything at this point that you would want to ask Bobby? Oh, a lot. One question. I think probably <laughs> my biggest question would be if you could go back and be my age. And when when did you start competing? How old were you when you were competing? Uh, like 15, 16, around okay. there. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. So if you were 17 again. How would you do it all again? Or what would you do differently? Oh, man. Yeah, that, Tina was there when I was 17. At the first due tour in 2009 at, uh, or 8 at Breckenridge. Um, so that, that 17 was a crazy age. I mean, I just finished high school. And uh, I mean, I don't know. I feel like uh, advice I would give is like stay what you're doing right now. And like I loved what you said earlier when you were just like, I just want to enjoy like these moments don't let skiing kind of like overtake you and become this thing that's bigger than it needs to be. Like look at the success you've had, you've had right now to this point. It's because you're just letting it flow and you're just living your life. You're happy, you're not putting too many expectations on it. And then you take a step back, you're like, I'm the best female slope pipe, big air skier in the world. So, I mean, my advice is just to stick doing what you're doing. You seem like you're doing a pretty amazing job and keep Yen close because uh, she's just such good influence. Like, and like I said earlier, just such a good presence to have. So I think uh, you're on the right path. And um, yeah, I mean, I can't wait to watch you at the Olympics and in the future and like 17 years old, like just know this is just the very beginning of the hill you're about to climb. So 
I can't wait to keep watching. Thank you, Bobby. To see more from Eileen, watch Everyday Eileen, which is coming soon to Red Bull TV.